How's everybody doing this morning? Um, hopefully you're seeing in the chat, my my chat device, I, I don't run uh, in Facebook and YouTube. I have a chat monitor that uh, connects everything that's going out there into one chat for me. Uh, and it didn't open quite uh, normally this morning. So hopefully you're seeing my responses there. Uh, if not, just chat away uh, there in Facebook or YouTube, wherever you are. Uh, I'm still seeing comments here. Hopefully, you're seeing mine. Uh, just my uh, chat uh, app this morning for uh, Restream was uh, just seemed to be a little bit off when it first opened here. So uh, anyway, uh, I say that, friends, if you're listening at a different uh, point in time, uh, then Monday morning, the 21st of August at 6 a.m., I, I do speak to a live group of people. 
who log in and listen and interact some live here, and that's why I reference comments and things like that. Uh, I'd ask Don to maybe, if he can, put links uh, into the new... also, into the new places, we're going to begin transitioning over to the new location, uh, the new Facebook page, uh, which has been created, which has zero traffic at this point, uh, and the new YouTube page. That's something I need to try to do. Uh, but uh, as we this week, we'll begin to transition over there uh, as I uh, finish out First Peter and get ready for Second Peter. Uh, we're going to begin to transition into a new Facebook page and probably we'll end up um, trying to decide here, probably end up not putting it on Veracity Chapel uh, and uh, it will be on the, uh, there it is, the Daily Discipleship Podcast. Look at that, find that, uh, follow that, and uh, we will try to get that out there for people as we begin to transition over to uh, to that page. And the same thing with the YouTube page. There's a specific YouTube page which has been created uh, for this. So those that are watching live, uh, you can find it that way. Um, especially as we get into the beginning of September or after I get through First Peter chapter, Second uh, Peter, I mean, as I finish up second Peter, then we'll probably transition all the way over. But for today, we are finishing up first Peter. We got started last week uh, on Friday talking about church leaders, specifically talking about elders. Um, And we're picking up at verse five here this morning. It says, young men, in the same way, be submissive to those who are older, even as it says in the same ways, the same ways what? Even the same ways elders should be submissive to the Lord. In the same way, young men uh, be submissive to those who are older. Now, this comes with a certain measure of uh, responsibility on the part of the older people. And the question is this for those of us who are older, and uh, uh, that's many of us, uh, are we being the mentors to the younger that we could be. Maybe that I would even say that we ought to be. Um, young men, in the same way, be submissive to those who are older. Now, what is the what is the dividing line of younger and older? I would, at you know, I'm almost 60, so I, I would classify myself definitively in the older group, and yet there are some in our group who'd go to me, you're just a kid. I get that. I know that uh, to, to you. Uh, but uh, to people, generally speaking, you know, with, with nearly 40 years of ministry, uh, I, I, I would be considered one of those who are older. All of you, it says this, all of you, all of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Now, here's a question. Is this all of you speaking to all of you younger men? Uh, is it speaking to the younger men and the older men, or is it speaking to everyone? Now, I, 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 it depends on how you might translate this. I would take this that the application of it is to everyone, that all of us 
should clothe ourselves with humility. It doesn't matter if you're an older man or a younger man, an older woman or a younger woman. All should clothe ourselves with humility toward each other. You know, to put on humility, uh, to not act pompous, to not act proud, to not act demeaning, to not act belittling, uh, to give uh, preference to one another first. I mean, that is how it is that we are uh, clothe ourselves with humility toward each other. Paul writes about this in in second Corinthians uh, second try again in Philippians chapter two, he writes about this and, and says, you know, you ought to prefer each other ahead of yourself. At the very first few verses of uh, Philippians chapter two, and here Peter is saying the same thing: treat yourselves, clothe yourselves with humility, act humble toward each other. You know, and sometimes what we do is we we want to have the the kind of the, the one up uh, toward each other. Well, I'm, you know, act a little bit better, act a little bit more mature, act a little bit more. Can I suggest to you that maybe we just need to be more transparent, more real? Uh, and I'm not saying that in being real, sometimes in being real, what we do is we uh, maybe are more raw than we need to be, uh, more crass than we need to be could i say i've done that along the way and i'm trying to learn how to be real but not crass Uh, but to clothe ourselves with humility toward one another because god opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble there it is you read it right there uh when we have spiritual pride uh when we have educational pride uh when we have territorial pride uh, and by territorial, I mean, well, I'm proud because of where I live. Uh, when we have pride because of our possessions, uh, and, I, and I mean a, a pride that you can sniff. I'm talking about a pride that just, you're around it and it's like, it's pungent. Uh, we can sometimes come across as not humble toward each other. But how to be humble, how, how, to, how to give consideration to each other. This is what we're talking about. And it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. I don't want God opposing me. I hope you don't want God opposing you. I, I think most of us would say we want God on our side. We want to know that God is with us. So one of the things that we can do to uh, garner the confidence that God is not standing in opposition to us is humility. Humility looks like confession of sin. Uh, humility looks like confessing before others. Look, I don't have this all wrapped up yet. I don't have it all figured out yet. I, I'm not all that I had to be yet. That is that is part of uh, not being proud, not giving the air to other people that look. I, I'm I am the outstanding Christian. No, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. I need the grace of God every day. I need the strength of God. I need the forgiveness of God every day. And when we begin thinking that we don't, when we begin thinking, hey, I've I've got all this knowledge, when we begin thinking, hey, I have these uh, attainments, or we begin thinking, hey, I've got uh, 
you know, I have these these letters in my pedigree now, you know, uh, BS. Uh, for some people, BS stands for not Bachelor of Science, but something else, or or MAM, or MDiv, or uh, PhD, or EDD, or DMIN, it's Doctor of Ministry, or, you know, whatever. No, it's not about the, the only letters that matter to me, ultimately, are the letters C-H-R-I-S-T. Those are the letters I want in front of my name. Those are the letters I want behind my name. In fact, those are the letters I want more and more to to become reflected even in my name. The letters Christ. Those are the letters that matter. And it's the grace of God. It's, It's the mercy of God. It's the tenderness of God. It's the kindness of God. It's the patience of God. It's all those things that that I cling to and I I encourage you to cling to because it tells us here clearly in the verse, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Now, notice it doesn't say lift you up immediately. It doesn't say lift you up instantaneously. It says lift you up in due time. Sometimes we have to wait. Sometimes it doesn't come immediately. Sometimes it's it, it, it's days. Sometimes it's weeks. Sometimes it's months. Sometimes it's years. But when we humble ourselves before God, he will lift us up. So humbling ourselves before God, letting him pick us up, not not picking ourselves up. And you know what people do in, 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 in our world is oftentimes what... Sorry about the extra noise there. What people do in our world is um, they will put others down that they might lift others, that, that they might lift themselves up. You know, by making someone else look smaller, by pointing out their weaknesses, by pointing out their failures, by pointing out yada, 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 and any of us can do it. Kind of this projecting onto uh, onto other people something that's negative, so that we can kind of project onto ourselves something that's more positive. Not to do things like that. That's that's what we're talking about. Humbling ourselves, not lifting ourselves up, not uh, exaggerating things uh, so as to make ourselves look better. Now, let's continue on. It it says this. It says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. I can give you at least and instantaneously two verses, and these are two verses that I think every one of us need to know. And there's this verse, 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. But then there's also a verse, and this is my second reference now to the book of Philippians Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6, middle of the page down here, says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Two verses speaking directly about anxiety. I could take you to Matthew uh, chapter 6, where Jesus says, Don't worry. Uh, Don't worry about things. Don't worry about your clothes. Don't worry about your food. Uh, seek 
God and his righteousness. Seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So don't be anxious. Cast your cares upon him. Let him know the struggle. Let him know the trouble. Let him know what the need is and allow him to care for you. Now, sometimes verses like this become uh, are, are just easier to live than others. When you are hard-pressed, when you are in a difficult place, uh, this is when a verse like this matters the most. It's easy to quote when things are maybe mildly bad. There's a mild situation that, that you need to bring your anxiety to the Lord. But this, this is all the time. This is bring, it says, cast all your anxiety. Look at the word there. Cast all your anxiety. All of it. Live in Christ in such a way that your anxiety melts away because of your relationship with Jesus. This is what we're talking about. I just realized I lost a camera. Oh, well, that's all right. No biggie. We'll keep going here. Cast your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Give it to him. All of it. Then it says be self-controlled and alert. There is a responsibility we have for a measure of self-control. There is a responsibility we have for a measure of alertness to the devil's wiles and the schemes of this world. Because then it goes on and says, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a lion, like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. I mean, our enemy will stand against us. Our enemy will uh, seek to thwart us. Our enemy will seek to eat us for lunch. It talks about devouring someone, so we know it's talking about eating us for lunch or breakfast or dinner. But self-control. The idea of self-control is this idea of maintaining your character, maintaining your composure, uh, not letting yourself spin out of control in anxiety, not letting yourself spin out of control in a spending frenzy, not, not allowing yourself to spin out of control in a drinking or eating binge, um, keeping yourself controlled under his controlled uh, under his control, but but even under our own control. We have a responsibility. Now, some people would say, well, it's all up to God, and, you know, it's all his responsibility. Well, you know, I read a lot in the Bible that seems like there are aspects that are our responsibility, too. So to my extreme Calvinist friends, uh, uh, I would say we have a responsibility. I, I, I will hear people who talk about, the sovereignty of God, and I believe in the sovereignty of God. Everything is under, I don't worry because it's all under his control, yes. But we also have a, a biblical responsibility throughout the Bible, areas where we're supposed to be obedient, things we're supposed to do, ways we're supposed to be self-alert, uh, self-controlled, all these different things. Uh, we work together in unison, in harmony with the Spirit to be the people it is that we are called, that we are called to be. Now, let me look in the comments here for just a moment. It says, when someone has humbled their self to me and admitted their wrong toward me, it caused me to experience the love of God, and Satan no longer has a hold on me in that situation. Absolutely. But, and here's, here's the question, 
what if they don't? What if a person doesn't respond, doesn't come, doesn't fess up, doesn't say something that, yes, it certainly makes it easier to uh, to not live under Satan's hold, uh, not under Satan's press. It certainly makes it easier to experience the love of God, but what about when they don't? You know, it might be more difficult, but even then Satan shouldn't have a hold on us. And he does sometimes, and we have a hold on ourselves sometimes. It isn't always the devil. Sometimes it's ourselves. Uh, and, and so I'm just responding with this, and I agree with what you're saying. Absolutely. When there's reconciliation, things are far easier. When there's conversation, things are far easier. Uh, but the greater press of it spiritually is when that doesn't happen. You know, uh, there can be people that, that have offended us, people that have done all kinds of things to us. They might not even be aware of it. They might not even know it. And yet we're holding something or or maybe being held back by our flesh or being held back by, by our enemy, Satan, um, and this other person has no idea how they have been used uh, to cause us to feel the way that we we we've, we've felt, sometimes we have the responsibility to go and say, you know, there's there's an issue between us. Let's talk about it. So, yeah, and, and that's right, exactly what Nell is saying in the comments here. If a person doesn't humble their their self toward me, I have to press into God and fight the good battle. Absolutely, that is it. That that's our response because sometimes people aren't going to come. I, I know I know people. You, I know people that I've seen wrong people that will never. I, I've not seen them once ever fess up and go, I was wrong. I did the wrong thing. Uh, I, I said the wrong thing. I had the wrong attitude. Never. It's always somebody else's issue, always somebody else's fault. Uh, and, and those things do happen with people. And this is where for us uh, to to understand the ways of the devil to resist the devil and, and as it says here in verse 9 resist the devil stand firm in the faith because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kinds of sufferings absolutely we have brothers and sisters going through sufferings that you know i, I think about this i i think about our, our brothers and sisters who've been a part of our broadcast and i had didn't see them last week uh, and maybe it's because we have not been able to do anything um, to to aid them. Uh, but brothers and sisters in India, you know, they're going through the difficulties of not having foods to feed to the children. So there are people under the press. I, I got pictures the other day and videos from a, a brother in Pakistan showing pictures of church church buildings being burned. Uh, you know, all their stuff being thrown out, the chairs being thrown out, the books being burned, the buildings being burned. You know, uh, now friends, that is that is persecution. That is suffering to the nth degree. So to remember that we're not in this alone. Right here in Waldo County, we share struggles together. Right here in the state of Maine, we share struggles together. The United States, we share struggles together. Brothers and sisters around the world, we share struggles together. 
Now, let's continue on in the passage because I'm committed to finishing this book this morning. It says in verse 10, it says, when you resist the devil, when you stand firm in the faith, when you live self-controlled, when you cast all your anxiety on Christ, it says, and the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you suffer a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. It all comes back to God. It all comes back to the grace of God. It all comes back to the the hope we possess uh, of the the eternal glory that will be given us in Christ. It says, after you suffer a little while, he himself will restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. Uh, It's him. We look to him. We cast our anxiety on, on him. Uh, we, we, we believe that he will be the one who will restore us and will make us strong and help us to stand firm until the end. Now, again, back over in the comments section, it says it's absolutely harder with no reconciliation or conversation. Absolutely. You know, and that this is where a, a level of spiritual formation can happen in a soul that may not happen in other people, a depth of spiritual formation happens in a situation like what you're talking about, Laura, um, sometimes more fully, more completely than uh, may be experienced by people who don't go through these types of situations. Uh, it's a deeper thing. It's a harder thing. It's not easy. I'm not saying it's it's not painful. It's absolutely painful. Totally, absolutely painful. Um but there's a depth of spiritual development that can happen in the midst of that that some people never get the opportunity to experience. He concludes it in verse 11, to, to God be the power forever and ever, amen. And then he gives some final greetings here. It says, with the help of Silas, whom I regard as a faithful brother, I have written to you briefly. He calls this a brief letter. Uh, and then he says, uh, encouraging you and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Stand fast in it. She who is in Babylon, chosen together with you, sends her greetings, and so does my son Mark. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. Now, it is a curious statement that he makes in verse 13. Uh, Babylon uh, is a city, a city in Iraq. Uh, I believe it's Iraq, uh, was in Iraq. It has been in Iraq. It, it, it comes and goes. It's, it's been defeated and destroyed and rebuilt and so on and so forth. But in this instance, some believe that when he says Babylon, he's actually referring to the mother city. Some would say he's actually referring to Jerusalem. And we don't know why he doesn't say this. Now, he could also be thinking, okay, he's in prison somewhere, but Peter didn't travel like Paul traveled. Um, So it is a curious statement why he says Babylon. Rather than trying to conjecture on this, what we do want to take note of in this verse is it says this, choose in Babylon, chosen together with you. In other words, doesn't matter where in the world, could be in the Babylon of Iraq. It could be in, in, in a Babylon being spoken of figuratively in Jerusalem. Uh, it could be a Babylon being Rome. 
bottom line, he says, those who are chosen together with you send greetings, and so does my son Mark. We tend to think that, that he is referencing the city in which he's in, most likely Jerusalem. And he says, the people here, the chosen people, the Christians here are sending their greetings. So there's Silas, there is Peter, there is Mark. It's interesting, we see Peter, uh, we see Paul, we see Barnabas, and we see Mark. Mark continued, even though he was up and down in his life at the beginning, he ends strongly. Uh, Paul called out for him uh, toward the end of Paul's life, said, I need I need Mark. And here's Peter talking about Mark. And so even in that, there's an example to us that even if, if you fail, even if you are, are kind of wishy-washy, keep going. Mark kept going. And it ends up that here we see his name listed uh, by, by the great apostles, Peter and Paul. Uh, as being significant to them and to the mission of the gospel uh, late in their ministries, in fact, uh, at the very end of their lives. So be that, if that's you, if you've been up and down, if you've been wishy-washy, just keep going. Don't stop. Keep walking with Christ. That's my encouragement for you. Well, it says, greet each other with a holy kiss. Wah, there you go. Kiss to all of you, a peace to all of you, who are in Christ. Let's live the life we're called to, as Peter has put it before us in this fantastic book, 1 Peter, which we have now just concluded. Lord, help us to live the life. Help us to be humble. Help us to press on. Help us, uh, whether we're like Peter, like Paul, like Silas, or like Mark, just to keep going, that we would finish with you. Lord, help us toward that end. And we do pray for our friends in other places of the world that have needs. Father, would you meet their needs, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, friends, that's a wrap on First Peter. We'll pick up Second Peter tomorrow. We'll see you then. Have a good day.